Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 40% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at Sleep Number stores or sleepnumber.com. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, Right. For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. The New Statesman. Hi, I'm Emily Tampkin, and you're listening to World Review from the New Statesman, a twice-weekly international news podcast. Every Thursday, we come together to unpack some of the most significant stories in world affairs. And every Monday, we interview a guest for their unique perspective and expertise. Today, I'm speaking to Tim Parks. Tim is an author who lives in Italy, and today we will be discussing the upcoming Italian elections. Tim, thank you so much for being with me today. Well, thanks. Thanks for inviting me. So we had you on a little while ago, I believe, to talk about other Italian elections. This next election is on the 25th of September. What makes it different, do you think? Well, let me say personally, what makes it different for me is that I'll be bolting for the first time. So Yes, um, congratulations. <laughs> let me just get that out of the way. One, one big thing that's changed, obviously, there's been a huge parliamentary reform. So that uh, Italy has a camera, like a House of Commons, as it were, and a Senate. Those two houses extraordinarily have very similar powers, okay? But they've been reformed in the sense that the House has come down from 630 deputies to 400, and the Senate from 315 to 200. So the camera has twice as many as the other. And this means that an awful lot of politicians are going to lose their seat, especially those who are looking at a party that was much stronger five years ago. So there's been the whole first part of the election campaign was a sort of vicious battle within the parties to see who was going to be candidates in the various places. So that's one thing. The other thing is that this reduction has very much weaponized the very bizarre electoral system they have here. And I think we'll have, to, we'll have to say a few words about that in the sense that it really does look like for the first time for many elections, there could be a real winner. Uh, if you've lived in, a, in Italy a long time, as I have, the idea of somebody actually winning an election and governing is quite extraordinary. So that is now on the cards and it's also by the looks of the polls on the cards that it could be a right-wing government. And this would be a considerable novelty, obviously. Could you say a bit more about that? Because I think when people who perhaps don't follow it as closely, but think of it vaguely, think of Italian politicians, they do think of going back years, he's quite, quite notable 
right-wing or populist politicians, obviously anti-immigration politics had a role play in Italian politics in recent years. What makes the current potential right-wing ascent remarkable or different? Obviously, that Italy has always in its past the shadow of, of the 1920s and so on. Basically, we've had a situation for the last five years, but not only, where the electoral system, together with the complicated bicameral system, has created parliaments which can't produce a government. As a result, we have found more and more that Italy has a prime minister who wasn't elected to the parliament, who wasn't perhaps even remotely interested or engaged in politics, but who gets parachuted in by, one would have to say, the status quo or the elite to take control of parliament and run a very ramshackle coalition. So this usually leads to an insistence that we're in a permanent state of crisis, which justifies this happening. Now, the last time this happened with the government first of Conde and Giuseppe Conte and then of Draghi, the last time this happened, one party and only one major party stayed out of the coalition, although they were invited into it. So that was the party of Giorgio Meloni, which is called Fratelli d'Italia, is a declaredly right-wing, though now they're more and more using the word conservative government. Meloni does have a distant past, different distant past, militating with what were perceived as post-fascist groups. But I, I do think that the attempt to demonize her has actually backfired considerably because it's simply not perceived maybe at national level that, that we're talking about that kind of politician. I do think the word populist we should do without. All politicians are populist to some degree. It's just a question of perception of what will be popular. The left-wing supposedly super-serious party, the PD, which is, to call it left-wing, I think would be extravagant. It's a very center party. And they've been, they've been promising all kinds of financial handout quite as much as the right. We've also just come through a government with a supposedly super-serious technician, as the Italians like to say, Draghi, mm -hmm. who was brought in during the COVID crisis after the first COVID Christmas. And he has presided over the biggest handout of money that has ever occurred, as in fact has occurred in many European nations. So it's very hard right now to start talking about fiscal discipline and seriousness when we've seen just how much money can be thrown at people when you want to. One example, in Italy, the last two or three years we've had this introduced during the COVID period, the bonus 110 110% bonus for any major building work that you do, you get 110% back from the government, 10% of which then goes to the bank that lent you the money to do that. As a result of which, pretty well every major building in my area is under renovation. So, oh, wow. which has actually been extremely annoying yeah. because the noise around here is that, in fact, I've got the windows closed very tightly now to avoid. So, the situation is very particular. There's one narrative which Corriere della Sera was complaining that foreign newspapers were all jumping on, which is that Italy is, as it were, in danger of a sort of 
post-fascist government. That's definitely one narrative, and that's the narrative that the centre-left has been selling as hard as it can. And on the other side, there's just the feeling that what you're looking at is the possibility of people voting against a government which isn't really presenting itself at the polls. This is the most peculiar thing. We have a Prime Minister, Draghi, who has been extremely popular. And everybody seems to agree that he's been brilliant. Not everybody, obviously, but but a, a surprising number of people. Draghi is not standing for any party. He says that he doesn't want his name to be used by any party. And yet the centre-left and very ele- various elements in the centre are all saying that if they get back in power, they will ask Draghi, who is not a politician and does not have a place in parliament, to be prime minister. This is pretty extraordinary and very hard to imagine in right. Germany or England or, or Britain, sorry, or, or France. It's impossible to imagine a situation of this kind. So, for yeah. example, last night there was the only, to say Talibite would be wrong, it was a stream debate on Corriere della Sera between Giorgia Meloni and Enrico Letta. Enrico Letta is the head of PD, which is the centre-left party. So you've got Meloni running at about 25% in the polls and Letta's party running at about 21%. And they had a long and rather tedious debate. But Letta simply insisted that it had been a terrible mistake to bring down the Draghi government and that most of Italy's problems really need to be solved at the European level and that the key development would be to have more majority voting in Europe on matters like immigration. It doesn't look to me like a formula that's going to, as it were, turn people on. Wherever you are in the world, if you're interested in global affairs, you can subscribe to The New Statesman, in digital, in print, or both, from as little as £1 a week. That's 12 weeks for just £12. That's €1 a week in Europe and just $2 a week in America. Just go to www.newstatesman.com slash podcast offer. From the New Statesman comes a new podcast, Audio Long Reads, the best of our reported features and essays, read aloud. Featuring writing from our authors, including the historian Colin Kidd on Watergate's renewed relevance in a post-Trump era. Today's obsessions about a deep state took their rise in the 70s amid this climate of anxiety. Jeff Dyer's reflections on how to grow old in America. He was propped up in bed, proudly sporting a badge, Private medicine makes me sick. Maria Vilcek tells the story of how the hard men of Belarusian football took on Alexander Lukashenko. Hundreds of ultras were roughed up and held in custody. One was later found dead in suspicious circumstances. Ease into the weekend with our audio long reads, published every Saturday morning. Just search audio long reads from the New Statesman wherever you get your podcasts. 
For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at Sleep Number stores or sleepnumber.com. Want flexibility? Take yoga. Want flexibility with your health insurance? Check out United Healthcare Insurance Plans. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly medical, dental, and vision coverage that may be right for you. More at uh1.com. This is Paige, the co-host of Giggly Squad, and I want to tell you about a company that I've been loving, Olive and June. Olive and June gives you everything that you need for a salon-quality manicure in one box. And if you break it down, it really comes out to $2 a manicure, which is absolutely insane. It's also so easy to get salon-worthy nails at home with Olive and June. The difference between how your nails used to look when you did them yourself and now with the Manny system is a complete game changer. The best thing about Olive and June, too, is it's a quick dry. Dries in about one minute, lasts for five days, and full coverage in up to one to two coats. Visit oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. That's oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. So I understand what the center left, I understand from what you're saying, the case that they're making. You've said that Maloney is not perceived at the national level as a post-fascist and that they're the, this criticism of her is not sticking. So if this sort of center is running as a continuation of Draghi, how is Maloney perceived at a national level? And what are the issues that she's running on, given that the previous head of government was quite, as you say, popular? This is really quite challenging. It would be a mistake for me to pretend that I profoundly understand the psychology of this. Yeah. Because it does seem extraordinary, the kind of positive polls that Draghi get. And then the polls that indicate that we have Meloni at 25% in a coalition. Now, the coalition means that's binding at the level of the proportional representation. And we will have to talk for a moment about how the electoral system works, because otherwise people won't understand. But together with the other two, two parties there, which are the Northern, the League, as it's now called, and the Berlusconi's Forza Italia, together they have about 46, 47%. Whereas none of the parties on the left are in any major coalitions. So the major party on the left is the PD with only 20%, which means that where you have voting in constituencies with a majority first-past-the-poll situation, it seems very unlikely that anybody will win any seats except the right. So what are they standing on? They're basically, the first thing is that they're standing on the idea of providing a government that the people actually voted for. And I think that's a very strong position because there is a very strong sense in Italy that five years or four years ago, a parliament was voted for and the governments that emerged from that parliament had very little to do with, with what people were perceived they were voting for at the time. So that's one thing. Clearly on immigration, the right intends on illegal immigration, the right intends to be harder. It was interesting that in the debate yesterday, where, when Letta said, yes, but we need these immigrants, she said, let's have legal immigrants. We don't need illegal immigrants and we don't need to be helping the so-called scafisti, that is the guys who run the boats that, that, that bring these people out. Of course, how they're going to do that, heaven only knows, because we've seen in the past how impossible that is. 
They certainly intend to be very much more pro-family with all kinds of incentives for having children. There's an incredibly low birth rate in Italy. They intend to be tougher on the European scene because it's perceived that these governments that we've had are to a large extent put there in cahoots with the European Commission. So that's a very strong feeling, as it was with Mon. Like this bit, Draghi had been head of the European Bank. He was a friend of Merkel, a friend of Macron. And there's a feeling that maybe the country isn't actually being run by people who have Italy's interests first. That, that is a feeling by some people. Others feel that precisely because Draghi is in a strong position with France and Germany, et cetera, et cetera. So those are the positions. And socially, yes, the family. And certainly, certainly, it's a government that will be less generous towards things like abortion. There was a long debate on, gay, on, on rights of gay couples to adopt. But there was no suggestion that that right would be eliminated, just that maybe, just that maybe they, there would be so many, so many privileges for the heterosexual couples that probably at the end of the day, it would be close to being eliminated. But those are the positions that they're suggesting. Mm. It really is, though, interesting. Meloni, Meloni can seem pretty crude sometimes, particularly in older videos. Now she's learned to be a bit more sophisticated, but she's clearly a very shrewd operator, and she spent most of this electoral campaign insisting that she's pro-NATO, pro-arms for Ukraine. She's not going to try and take Italy out of Europe or anything like that. So when... Let the, in the debate say Italians are in front of a decision like the Brexit decision. Some people are going to like that, but only the people who are already going to vote for it. I don't think it's perceived as such a radical. Let me, if I, can I say a word though about this electoral system? Uh, of course, yes. Because I really feel people need to get their minds around this. So we have two houses of parliament. In each House of Parliament, one-third of the seats are by first-past-the-post voting, okay? And two-thirds of the rest are by proportional voting, okay? In the House, the proportions are figured out at national level. In the Senate, the proportions are figured out at regional level, okay? So when I go to the polls, I get Actually, I'm voting in four different areas, if you like, proportional and first past the post for the House and the Senate. But I only get two voting papers, right? So when I vote, for example, in Milan for the, for the House, I can vote for the right-wing coalition, for example, for the first past the post system. But that vote binds my vote on the other side. That is, I've automatically voted for either the coalition or the particular party in the coalition that I indicated. I've already voted for them at the proportional level. Right. So if there are people I don't like on the proportional side and somebody I like on the other side, I can't split that vote. Uh -huh. I have to do that. On the proportional side, for each party, there might be four names. But I can't select the name. The names are there in order. and they will be elected in order depending on how many percent the vote they have got. Okay. So a party, for example, that puts a politician first in Milan, a major party or even a medium party, is bound to get that person in. 
So the proportional system allows the parties to pretty much decide that their major figures are going to be in parliament. Okay. Now, to make it more interesting, each politician can stand in five different constituencies. <laughs> they can stand in one first-past-the-post constituency and in five proportional constituencies. So if they don't get in the first-past-the-post constituency, they can still stand in five others. So, for mm. example, if Berlusconi puts his name on five different balance sheets all over the country, he's hoping that his name will attract a lot of votes in that area, more than somebody they haven't heard of. But, obviously, he's not going to be elected in all those places. So, voting for him, I pretty well know that I'm actually not voting for him to be my deputy. Okay. Now, there is also a so-called quota rosa, a pink quota, and I think it's embarrassing that it's called a pink quota, which means that they have to field at least 40% women candidates, or at least 40% male candidates, but you can clearly see by the name quota right. rosa that it's meant to. Oh. Yeah. <laughs> which means that at the proportional side, for example, on the list, it has to be man, woman, man, woman, or woman, man, woman, man. But... If you put a woman in five different first place positions, she's going to get in one, and then the man in all the second, the different men in all the second place positions will get in. You got me? Is that clear? Yeah, I'm following. I'm following. Yeah, it's it, so you've got all kinds of complicated shenanigans going on, and the voters themselves are looking at very different constituencies both for the House and the Senate and then for the proportional. So they have no sense really that I'm voting for Finchley North or something right. like that. And there is no obligation in Italy for any of the candidates to return on any regular basis or have in contact with the people who voted for them. So basically, all these candidates are parachuted in from the centre, from the party. Mm -hmm. This has caused enormous disaffection at local level, as you can imagine, where lots of local candidates are not even being on the ballot sheet. Right. And the result is an extraordinary detachment in Italy between the people who vote and the people who eventually get in. I have one last question for you, which is a follow-up on this in a way, and also goes back to something you were saying earlier. The last time we spoke, we came in and asked you about the this sense of constant chaos in Italy and these changes to the elections and reforms and the different candidates. And you made the point that actually all of that is a bit of theater and that actually politics in Italy are quite stable and that it's all controlled by the same people who are basically who are basically still there. Right. Yes, you'll have this prime minister and then that. But the underpinnings of the system are pretty, pretty set in place. Do you think that that, that is part of what is fueling support for Maloney, right? The sense that we're so detached from what's going on, right? That this is a show and we are not actually the ones who are changing the channel or however you want to butcher this absolutely. metaphor. That, that is absolutely what's happening. And one, one thing I should have mentioned is the main, one of the main electoral planks of Maloney is the possibility of, of a presidential system like the French system. Mm. So that people would actually vote for somebody and know that they voted for that person and that person is running the country. Yes, it's been pretty easy in a way to insist on this. And of course, it is precisely this that is called populism by uh, the papers who side with what is clearly in Italy. that There is a sort of deep elite in Italy which has been able to control the parliaments precisely because they never expressed a clear parliamentary majority in recent mm. years. So 
yes, what we're looking at, you're, you're right to, to bring that up. What we're looking at is the poss- possibility that we really will have a political government and this government may make all kinds of mistakes or not, but it really will be a government voted for by the people. And this will be certainly my experience since I've been here 40 years, pretty much an old reaction. I must say, I'm very curious to see what will happen. I do have one last point because you, or one last question, because you have said that there is some frustration in Italy that this is, there's so much focus on post-fascism, is this over the rise of the right wing, et cetera. I think probably if a person is listening to this podcast, they're sympathetic to the view that, what do you mean? If it's a potential return to post-fascism, that is the story. So I wanted to give you one last opportunity to comment on that, this tension between obviously that is a significant thing. And on the other hand, it's not really what's at top of mind for many voters. It isn't the story. I think that's the truth of the matter. It simply isn't the story. And uh, it's interesting that Kalenda, we should have talked about him, a man who started one of the center parties that's very eager to keep Draghi, despite all the animosity with which they've attacked Meloni, has come out very clearly and said there is no danger of fascism in Italy. And many others have said the same. We're not seeing and violence of any kind. In fact, Meloni pointed out that the most violent rhetoric was coming from the left yesterday and gave a very clear example of that. No, I don't think, I don't think that is the story. I really don't. I think many of the positions that Meloni had are, are held by even mainstream conservative positions in the U- conservative politicians in the UK. So Meloni herself, remember, is, is head of the, I don't know, the European conservative delegates in European Parliament, which includes many fairly ordinary centre-right parties. So I think this might be a little more extreme than uh, a little more to the right. I don't know. In fact, I don't want to use the word extreme. A little more to the right than what we've seen, but I, I don't think we're looking at something really extraordinary. What would be extraordinary is to see how they would run the economy or how they would deal with Europe. That would be really curious to see. We will watch the elections and see. And for now, we'll leave it there and enjoy voting in Italy for the first time. And thank you for being with me today. Tim Parks. I still haven't decided who to vote for. This has been the World Review from the New Statesman. You can read all our international coverage on newstatesman.com slash international. If you've enjoyed this episode, please tell a friend or an enemy and rate us and leave us a nice review. Five stars only. That's for the review, not the party. Our producer has been Adrian Bradley. The team will be back on Thursday. And I am Emily Tampion. Thanks for listening. And until next time. Here's a cool fact. A crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Another cool fact, you can get short-term health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans are designed for people who are between jobs, coming off their parents' plan, or turning a side hustle into a full-time gig. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. Get more cool facts about United Healthcare short-term plans at uh1.com. Trust in politics is broken. So can we get UK politics working again? That was the last time we were happy. 2012. I'm Beth Rigby, Sky's political editor. Join me every week with Labour's Jess Phillips and Conservative peer Ruth Davidson for some electoral dysfunction. This idea of nuance has completely left politics. Together we'll focus on the policies that could deliver political satisfaction. 
follow electoral dysfunction wherever you get your podcasts. <laughs>